Hi everyone, welcome to the first episode of The Sola Traveler. Um, my name is Ricky Subel, and I may say um a couple times, but I hope you won't mind. It's just how it goes. Uh, principally, I started the concept of The Sola Traveler when I was in quarantine, and I had some free time. I was alone. Uh, and I had already been alone for quite a long time. I moved to San Diego, California from Washington, D.C., which was a very social place and had always had a lot of socialization and then came to San Diego and really had a hard time um, meeting people. So I think what spawned the idea for the Sola Traveler was just realizing, one, how privileged I've been to have known how to trigger my um, survival mechanism to travel alone, to learn how to be strong, self-sufficient, uh, which ultimately took me on many professional journeys as well as personal journeys. And then also, once I was kind of in this confinement, uh, in in quarantine alone, I realized, wow, I'm I'm ha- I'm handling this really well. I'm a lot better than a lot of people who I'm talking to, and. I'm not saying that to brag, I just kind of started to do a deeper dive into who I was and and how much time I had been alone in my life in very uncomfortable situations, Um, not necessarily because anyone forced me, which again, I'm very lucky to have this story and not some other stories, um, but rather because I had willfully decided that if I wasn't going to find the right person or people to travel with, that I was going to go sola. And I say sola because when we think of solo in English, we think of solo, going solo to a dance, going solo traveling. And if we understand Latin root languages, the masculine noun uh, typically takes the A at the end when it's feminine and I thought wow this is something that we really haven't addressed we just default to solo Um, and I really like the idea of of using sola as um, my inspiration for the project so the sola traveler is as much um, a part of my real life story as it is a part of a journey that's led me to this point where I'm very happy to be able to share things with women um, and anyone else who's interested, but particularly women who are looking to sort of fight the taboos that are laden, uh, that our society is laden with, that we are trying to fight. We don't even know how many women are kind of experiencing the fear and doubt and um and sort of guilt of wanting to do things by by yourselves because of obligations or because of not understanding it necessarily or not understanding the safety implications. And I think all of those things are very, very fair. And my hope is that I will be able to impart to those who are interested my perspective, give some tips, arm us all for more... Um, more intelligent travels and to feel like, hey, I can do this. I don't have to subscribe to 
the fear, but I also don't have to subscribe to being completely ignorant and doing a guided tour. It's really somewhere in between. And I also don't need to take a year off work and go find myself in Southeast Asia. I can take a three-day trip if I want to by myself and just go explore what that feels like. There's really no right or wrong answer in the way I see this journey for every woman. I think it's really important to just start somewhere. And I really mean that. Like Even if you're just thinking, I'm going to take a day trip and test it out, the principle, the principle kind of measure here of, of your success as a solo traveler is how you feel in your own skin in relatively uncomfortable situations. So that's where it starts. I want to make everyone feel as comfortable as possible so that you can take some informed risks. Um, so this episode is really geared around the idea that we have a lot of the, the common um, stereotypes for women explorers, if you will, that are associated with bad behaving women. If you Google women, female adventurers in history, the, the search results are dismal. <laughs> There's really not very many. So I looked into that when I was researching for my travel guide um, and was kind of shocked. If you look at how many men there are when you search for male explorers, it's, it, we really venerated those figures. We've got um, you know, Marco Polo and uh, we have all of these different kinds of um, tropes in, in, how do you call it, in um, mainstream culture like uh, Indiana Jones and there are all these very, very fearless male figures. We don't have a ton of female aventureras. We don't have a ton of female uh, travelers who are going it alone. There's a few, but um, you don't have to worry because there are many of us. We're just hiding. <laughs> you just have to kind of reach out and, and find the community. And I think that's a really important part of this too. We're, we're out there. Just because we're not showing up on Google search doesn't mean we're not out there. But what women are searching, um, and I thought this was very interesting from a, from a Google Analytics search, what women are searching are things like, you know, um, am I... Am I being selfish because I want to travel without my boyfriend? Um, is it selfish to travel alone? Is it um, okay to go to X place in the world alone? You know, it, what are some of the things I can do to be safer when I travel alone as a woman? Just all these things that indicate that there's obviously a gap here, a knowledge gap, um, that hopefully together we can try and fill. And not only that, but something that I think is really valuable for all of us to consider is that the, the way things are right now, you know, women predominantly, or at least in the past um, almost two years now with, with the pandemic, Women are taking on significantly more domestic responsibilities um, in terms of having their personal space and their space to explore. Homes are filled. There's not a lot of travel, even within families. And so it's really altered the way that I think we're trying to 
explore internally, which I think is just as important as as going out and planning a trip, but just how do we get in touch with ourselves? Um, how do we find ways to to connect um, in solitude? And it's a very difficult thing to do. I will say that, you know, the first steps to overcoming the hesitation, the guilt, the shame is for a lot of women just taking 30 minutes a day for self-care. I see so many of my friends and colleagues struggling with even understanding that they're allowed that time. So now I understand that I'm trying to ask these mothers and wives and sisters and daughters and uh, all the rest to do something really different for themselves, um, which is to explore leaving the comfort zone alone, you know? So, so it's a really, it's a really complicated space. Um, and it may not feel that way for you. You may not find the idea of traveling alone complicated. And then I hope this will just be an enriching sort of, um, deep dive into what it means today to travel alone. Um, but I do know that, for example, we can start with just the case of my own travels alone. You know, for me, I grew up in a very traditional household. Um, the idea was that by about, well, I'd say 20, I should have been married and, you know, I give, you would get given to your husband, like his family. So now you're his, you're his, uh, <laughs> how do you call it? I think you're his ward and he needs to take care of you and he'll get the the car for you and you don't work and you just start popping out the babies. Um, and this was from a traditional South African Jewish household. Um, but we moved to California when I was a little girl and pretty immediately just by the nature of my personality, I could see how different the cultures were. At home, my path was going to be very straight and narrow. Um, but at school, I was being asked to be adventurous, be different, you know, this completely different model from growing up in highly restrictive police state South Africa to the United States, which um, couldn't be more different, you know, the home of many different waves of feminism and types of thinking that were just completely new to my family. So I was already charged with this energy of of independence um, and already knew that the path that was being forged for me by default wasn't my path. And that caused a very big internal struggle. And one day, um, you know, as soon as I could, I think I started just taking little day trips by myself, like up to Los Angeles or San Francisco. And then, you know, the passion started growing. And by 16, I was flying to Australia. And, and then by, I think, uh, 17 or 18, I kind of decided, hey, I, this this may not be the right place for me to be right now. I was starting university. I was at um, UCSD, an amazing facility, but it just wasn't working for me. I was 
very much feeling closed in. Like there had to be more. And I had already seen so much. I Again, like I grew up in South Africa. Um, my family lives all over the world and have a very diverse immigrant background. So the idea that just living and dying in Southern California was going to be my life was was starting to suffocate me. And um, I was ready to get out. So I took a trip with a good friend of mine to South America. We went to Peru, we went to Machu Picchu, we went to Lima, um, and then we were going through to Chile, to Santiago and Valparaiso, where we had a friend who had bought a hostel. And on the way, we had a, a, a layover in, in Buenos Aires. And my only real kind of association with Buenos Aires and Argentina in general was Madonna's musical film from, I think, the 90s, uh, Evita. And I was like, you know what? It's going to cost me 50 bucks to change our flights. Like, let me pay for your flight. I'm telling my friend, let me pay for your flight. We'll we'll stay for a few days. Like, And then we'll go to Chile. No big deal. Like, let's do it. <laughs> so obviously, there I saw the first clash of personalities, like, um, really discovering myself. Like, I'm that person who's going to tell you, let's just do it. We're here. Come on. We've flown so far. And my friend, who is quite a bit more timid uh, and not really into into the idea, and with, with good reason. I mean, we were very young, and it, we had no plans and knew no one, and it, we didn't speak Spanish at the time. Like, it was just a very different thing. So she and I consequently are no longer friends, but we learned a lot from each other, I'm sure, uh, during that trip. And on that trip, I met a, a young woman whose name is Romina, uh, who worked at her family's locutorio, which is like a, like at that time, there were no smartphones. So it was a cyber cafe where you go in and you pay to use the computer and you get a, co- a coffee and uh, just have a chat. So I'm talking to Romina and kind of getting some details about the space. We exchanged emails. We keep talking through the months after. I go back to California, finish out another quarter on on academic probation because I had given up already. And we kept in touch. And one day I said, I'm going to move back. I'm going to move back to Buenos Aires. Like after seeing Chile and then after being in Buenos Aires for the time I was, I was, I was ready. So I organized everything properly to do a six-month stay in Buenos Aires uh, alone. And I never really liked the idea of going through a program. I just, I really wanted to submerge myself and just naturally never been that kind of person. So I, again, I think for some people it works really well and they get a great experience for me. Naturally, I just didn't like being clustered into other people's experiences. So went to Buenos Aires, was probably about to turn 18 and then a six-month trip turned into a turned into a three-year sort of a sojourn in Buenos Aires, uh, through which I grew tremendously as a human being, learned so much about gratitude and friendship and love and different kinds of relationships that we can have with people um, on a much deeper level, 
compared to what I was living previously. And I think it saved my life. Um, it almost killed me too. I was in a really bad car accident. But I think it gave me a new lease on life. And this was at, you know, by that time, 21, 21 or 22. But I know what it feels like to have the guilt and shame and fear lingering. I know what it felt like that first day to arrive at my new apartment and look outside and say, like, what did I just do? Like, you know, it's one thing when you're planning a trip and it's exciting and you're choosing your apartment and you're getting all the new things that you need and like the adapter and all the stupid things that we think are going to be really important to protect us. But I don't know until you go if you can protect yourself mentally and emotionally um, in advance of going on a trip like that. So I think the guilt factor for sure came in when I was no longer going to be around for my family. We're a really tight-knit immigrant family. I've been through a lot together. And being that far away um, was very, very dif difficult because I had no idea what was happening on their end. I couldn't help them if something happened. You know, it's it was a different time. You weren't on your smartphone. I couldn't FaceTime. It was just a lot of intense feelings of, am I abandoning people I love? Am I abandoning my little brother who's, you know, just starting college? Like, what, is this okay? And I think I processed that by trying to stay closer to my family, trying to be very present when I could. And um, I will say, you know, in spite of the guilt, I definitely developed a better relationship with them at a distance. Uh, from the one that we had had previously, where talking was an everyday necessity as opposed to a a joy, an everyday joy to be in touch. Um, the other thing was a f the fear factor. I think, of course, it's a little bewildering to go out into a new place and not understand anything and you know, you hear stories like, oh, this person got mugged and this happened to this woman. And, you know, I grew up in in a very, very dangerous time for South Africa. Um, and from very little, I was told, don't go outside. Like, you'll get raped. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't stand too close to windows. Someone will see you and they'll kidnap you. Just all of these things in my head that I grew up with that, of course, could have done one or two things. One, it could have pushed me into a corner and made me feel like I'm not going outside. <laughs> or it could have done what it did, which was propel me into this feeling of almost invincibility, wherein I I wanted to test the limits constantly. I wanted to know if it was true. I wanted to, I needed to see it to believe it, because in so many cases, um, whether we like it or not, there's a lot of ignorance and the ignorance is what poisons the journeys of so many people. You know, uh, this, these people are like this. These, it's like, I understand. And, you know, it really depends how you develop your street smarts, uh, which we'll talk about in other episodes. But fear wasn't going to be my my driving force. Fear was not going to be, for me at least, the thing that kept me at home. However, I do understand today 
um, with so many cases that occur, at least the ones that get into the news, why we have that incorporated fear, why with so many things happening, the female body is a space of animosity, a space of um, projection and a space where fear can live. Fear can and should to a certain degree be acknowledged as a protecting force for us. So all of this uh, to say, you know, we're, I think we're trying to work together now as a, as a community of women globally to look at our adventures through the lens of empowerment as opposed to fear. And as much as I didn't like the book uh, Eat, Pray, Love, I respect it. <laughs> it just sounds like a terribly pretentious thing to say, but it's true. I, I didn't like it because I felt like it alienated so many women whose experience wasn't um, reasonably present in the book. However, I think it was super important in as much as it represented a woman's journey for the first time, you know, alone. And fear in her case was a fear that manifested also in her, in love as much as in being alone and dealing with herself, looking at herself. But it's so funny, you know, even in that book, and I think this is a part of it, I think the solitude is a part of why people don't go out alone. Not just fear of the other, that people are going to do things to you, it's fear of what I'm going to find when I'm face-to-face with myself. And whether we know it or not, when we're making these Google search terms, or these when we're doing these Google searches, like, is it dangerous to go to here? Is it dangerous? So many of those uh, impulses to investigate fear to sort of um, predict it so you don't have to encounter it, I, I would be amazed if a, grand, uh, if, if a large portion of those searches weren't sparked by a fear of being confronted with oneself. Because that is terrifying. And I think it's, it, I know it's Truman Capote said, doesn't matter where you run, you'll always run into yourself. That is, to me, one of the biggest fringe benefits of traveling alone, but it's also one of the biggest um, obstacles, I think, for us to, to challenge. So you have like guilt, shame, fear, you have real fear, corporal fear, trying to protect yourself, but you also have all of these outliers that you're not even aware of that are connected to the idea of releasing your routine, going out of your space, that are associated with confronting yourself. There's a book my father recommended to me. Uh, my father is a triathlete and got over a, a serious injury through um, through running. And there's a book about the, I think it's the solitude of the long distance runner. Um, and it's similar, you know, in, in terms of that you didn't know existed. You're coming face to face with a side of you that might scare you. Maybe you like being free. Maybe you like not having a routine. 
Maybe you don't want to go back to your boyfriend when you're finished. Maybe you want to quit your nine to five, you know? So many journeys start off with just these kinds of hints of uh, wanderlust and turn into life-changing experiences. And that's terrifying. That can be really terrifying. And I still go through this by my, even on my own self, like after hundreds of trips now and living all over the world. And, you know, I still go through it sometimes depending on where I am in my life where a flight will floor me. I will be floored with anxiety before a flight. I will be terrified um, to leave where I am. I don't want to break out of my routine. That comfort zone element is very key to taking the first step towards a sola journey. Because a sola journey will mean that you are going to have some space to ask yourself some questions. And when it's just you and the road or you and the, the sidewalk or you and the mountainside, there's space in there for thoughts. We have to prepare ourselves for those thoughts. And we can prepare ourselves just like any um, endeavor negatively, or we can prepare ourselves, prepare ourselves positively. We can prepare ourselves with, ah, but, you know, all of these things could happen and all of these things could happen. Or we could prepare ourselves with, I am ready for whatever happens. I am ready to test myself in a new space. I know I will be uncomfortable. I know I will be vulnerable. But I know that there's control around me. And I, I know I can handle it. Because that is who I am. And I have this in me. And that right there, I think, in terms of the overarching benefit of of learning to dominate these feelings of of anxiety shame guilt around going out alone even if it's just one day a weekend or a year or three um i think what we come out of it really enriched with is this idea that huh i did that and i promise you you will never forget that and every little thing that comes up in your daily life henceforth that moment will be a piece of cake (laughs) because you'll never forget that time you lost your luggage in Spain and, you know, had to wear the same underwear for four days. You don't forget those things, I promise. Um, But they make you feel like a fighter. And I want that for everyone. And I want to make sure the information I'm giving and the people who are joining to speak are speaking to your needs, your wishes, like where you are. So please communicate them to me. Um, you can email me at ricky.subel at gmail.com, R-I-C-K-I dot S-U-B-E-L at gmail.com. Or you can find me on Instagram at the underscore sola underscore traveler. I'm right there. And we can, we can communicate that way. Um, but I'm really looking forward to taking this solo journey with you. And um, I think that's the best part. You never know who you're going to meet when you're out there alone. <laughs>